Seminar, Welcome to the of study for seminar commentary for Seminar 32. I am the director, Episode Marcus Beatty. Joining me Days today is Pendy Award-winning Marley Norton. <laughs> Hello. And future Pendy Award-winning author, Jack Kalk. Oh, God, I have to live up to something now, don't I? Yes, you do. Now you have to win an award. No pressure. Back to writing. <laughs> and this really is the episode that begins our season. Well, we've already had an episode out that started the new season. Uh, this episode <clears throat> gives us our new instructor, uh, which is the wonderful Peter Cat. Um, and lets me abuse the students, which is just fun. If this were a normal class session, we would have them introduce themselves. Tell us a bit about themselves. Bore us with a joke or two. But since this is not a normal session, we will not be doing And I still have no idea what order the show is running on this episode, so we're going to find out real quick here. I think it's Moment is First. Moment is First. Followed by Rock. Moment is First. I prepared. I put the show together. I have no idea which way it all runs, so... <laughs> I, I'm never sure until we actually so we start listening. And I say, "Oh no, that's the show that's first, and I have stuff open in front of me." But I'm never sure if I have it in the right order. So, um, but uh, the, these were now. I thought Moment would be the easiest show. We're gonna. I'm gonna start here because I don't want to talk too much about the instructor stuff that's going on. Um, a- Moment I thought was gonna be easy for me because it it's a short mm-hmm. script. It's two people Thanks. talking on a rooftop. But this was the most complex script I've done yet. Really? Well, it was because the pauses had to be perfect in it. And your dialogue is just so tricky. You're a tricky, tricky, tricky person. But it's fantastic. Now, where did this one come from? Because, I mean, we remember you, of course, from Tea and Terrorism. Pendy award-winning script. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> where did, this one is totally like polar opposite of that script. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I was feeling very meta and self-indulgent, I guess. Um, it's I mean, there's a lot of meta commentary. That, like the characters are almost deconstructing their own scene. I and that was kind of my thought process as I was messing with it. It's sort of like I had this I had this image of these people having sort of this emotional connection, smoking cigarettes on, um, on a balcony. And, um, and usually that's a big, huge red flag because if someone's actually thinking visually when they're down to write a radio script, that's usually not going to turn out very well. But I had that, I had that sort of thing I was trying to work for. And so I just sort of sat down and started typing, you know, there were these two people and sort of got their voices in my head. And then the started channeling Tom Stoppard and they started talking about particle physics and pollution and Shakespeare and magazines and fuck it's a show yeah I don't know <laughs> so, so you're telling us you read Scientific American as opposed to Cosmopolitan oh I personally don't read either of them <laughs> uh, 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 oh darn <laughs> And I get nailed on the only good lines I had going into this, folks. That was it right there. That was the good line of the night. But the best part was that you had them smoking on a rooftop. 
And the weird part for me was trying to figure out how to get the music track to stay where I wanted it to stay the entire time. In the mood for company. You have to come up with elaborate ruses. Says who? Um, I just want to mention that um, the cast I thought was was great. I I saw the casting call come out and um, I didn't recognize either of the names, so it was like, see, I, I wonder what we're getting, but. Um, See, I actually wrote down their names, um, Richard Casto and Bernadette Groves, and yes, they're fantastic. Yes, yes, uh, Richard I've been wanting to work with for a little bit, because he's, he's, he's auditioned a couple times, I just didn't have the role for him. Um, and Bernadette, was, I think this was her first audition with me, um, but she has a fantastic vocal quality about her. And the whole idea of putting them there was that they, they, they almost are in, the, in their vocals a little bit polar opposite also. And it really puts the drawing together later on so much better to them. That's very honest of you. Unless this is a new ruse. No, done with They both read. They both do the lines so well. It was just. It was hard to pick out the take to use in every single one of these. But uh, it was a fun. It was a fun hard script. I was really surprised at how hard this was actually for me to do. <laughs> Yeah, I think I tend towards minimalism just because as a writer, you know, working with a, I, you know, this is still only my second script. I'm not very used to, you know, the tropes of radio plays and, you know, so I stay away from action scenes because I'm not sure how to write them, but, you know, so I stick to di lots of really dialogue heavy stuff. Yeah, we'll be talking about Mr. Action Adventure in a few minutes here. <laughs> Here's a secret, lots of lines of sound effects to drive him crazy. That seems to be his plan. Jack's plan is to drive me insane by saying, and now we're going to shove a pipe in the middle of the road. I, I swear, he, he does that to me. He's, Jack's out to get me. But the complexities in this one, though, lies in the pauses that they take to smoke. And, and it's weird because I had to figure out how long to make them. As opposed to, you know, so literally I spent a lot of time on, on my carport smoking just to make sure I had the pause right. So I blame you for torch now. I blame myself for that, for that, for that own vice. But uh, <laughs> there was a lot of pauses in me. Did I drive you to smoke? You drove me, you drove me to drink. Uh, tea. Drinking tea, honest folks. It's tea. Nothing Irish about it. Uh, <laughs> I love Richard Reed Shakespeare. Yeah, he gets really into it, and yeah, that was just how I was picturing it. You know, just sort of enjoying being kind of over the top. Well, the best part was it's like he's he's giving me like beforehand lines, you're just talking and going. You know, I've I've never done Shakespeare ever, and I don't listen to it or read it, and so I have no idea what I'm doing. But the, the the takes were frigging awesome, though. I mean, it was beautiful stuff. Because he really just takes it to the absurdest level, which is what I liked about it. Because, I mean, a person just on the street, is that's what they're going to do. They're just going to blow it out of proportion. Tomorrow, and tomorrow, and 
nice one. Oh, and I also have to thank Fiona's Rail for actually correcting my Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> was one of the people who actually... <laughs> yeah, it was just one of the quotes I had slightly wrong. Um, uh, 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 uh. Yes, Fiona will correct Shakespeare issues for anybody who needs them. Yes, sighted fools, the way to I fear one day she's going to write a script for seminar that's going to hurt my fingers, but... But I just love this whole scene between the two of them. This whole script is so much fun. Because of where the characters go, they, they go like on this little chase. And that's why even when I wrote the seminar, writing the, writing the, the, the wraparound for it, was so easy for me. Because both these scripts tie into each other fairly evenly in what they are. Moment itself is just like one moment in time. It's that brief moment taken to extreme and, and, and so you see the whole thing. And then what's coming up, which is um, Rockabye Part 2, um, that one is a moment in a lot of different lives and a lot happens in this episode that I hate him for. And then that long pause. <laughs> talked over my favorite part, the part where they start to realize they're actually having a moment. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I so didn't yes. know if that was going to play. I, like, wrote this script <laughs> and threw it out there, and it was like, oh, God, I hope Marcus can deal with this. I don't know. <laughs> like I said, this was where it got really hard, was right in here, because I had to figure out the pause points and how far to take it without making it seem too awkward. <laughs> but the takes that the actors gave me were fantastic. I loved it. Oh, and this last line right here, by the way, I was going back and forth several times on whether that's um, the, you know, end scene, because um, it really felt like breaking the fourth wall in a way that sort of hadn't before, and I finally decided to keep it in because it kind of needed a little bit of closing and decided that um, that is the kind of thing the character might say. You know, he was the one who was who was quoting all the Shakespeare. And, yeah, I really like how that came out. He just said it so well and the long pause and, yeah. I know that that and that was a challenge. It was a challenge to do that one because of the pauses and the bits and pieces of it. Uh, but I like challenging scripts. I learned a lot with that script, though, about pulling off different things. So I'm I'm now fully talented and trained in a few other things now. Then of course I have the students going nuts this episode trying to fill in some plot points. Uh, I'm sorry for that. You became you became some plot points for me to use. That big that big that big movement of him going over. When I wrote the script, all right, I wrote big movement. That's all I wrote in there for myself. I was like, and and, and I complain at Jack for writing effects, and I write I write in stupid ones like that, you know. Well, at least you're the one who has to, you know, cast the checks you're writing. <laughs> hey, the awkward part is when I have to have a fight with myself or discussion with myself over how I'm doing stuff, you know. You don't want to be around for those sit-downs. It takes hours upon hours to get through to me. <laughs> In Rockabye. I love Rockabye. Where is he? This is Dale. We need a location. We can't find him. Oh, Are you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Jack? Addison and Rose. <laughs> Addison and Rose. Yeah, I heard him. Copy. Over and out. <clears throat> left here. You roughed me up with this script. 
But I just hope I did it justice, because this was one I wanted to get right. And this is part two to the Rockabye set. And apparently there's a part three. You want to fill people in on, on where this part comes from for you? Um, not really. Uh, this is pretty much... This was actually supposed to be the end of the original story. And I remember outlining the initial concept to Marley when she was still editor. And this was kind of where I left it. And I had an idea about uh, Kate going on and doing bad stuff that kind of turned on, turned into what happens with kind of turns into what happens in part three, but not really. Hank, no, damn Hank. This was where it was supposed to end, but it didn't because Kate was left, you know, wide open. She sat there crying, and that's kind of how it ended. Ah. And I I couldn't do that. No. I like Kate too much for that. No, 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 no. You you kill off a character in this episode. Poor Jerry. I do, and I feel... I feel bad about it, but... And there's Mark Gutman, who also played the construction manager he killed last episode. Yeah. There, there goes me in an uncredited role. Looking for... mail mid. Lots of footsteps in this one. If anybody wants to know, there's a lot of footsteps, jumping, and gravel. He must have just waved past me. What I love is this, you know, this part right here with Jared. He's breathing it. Uh, police, uh, police! I was like, business. oh, that's Everyone perfect. Out of the way. <laughs> oh, come on, Marie. What am I supposed to do now? Oh, and the fact that I named the people he pushes past just person, because I have no idea what to call them. But I call them bystanders, passengers. They can just call them people and move on. Yeah. Yeah, person one, two, and three. The hard part was trying to figure out how to bring all these... Because you, you didn't really have tra- huge transition points. You had fade two, fade two. And it's hard to fade that quickly in some of these sequences, so... I think I did some of them kind of awkward. Let's go. But I hope it sounds okay. I thought it sounded great. And this is another episode that doesn't have a lot of music in it. And that's because there's so much background noise going on, the music would have been dulled by it. And there's a symphony in the in the sound effects and in the background noise itself, so I left it alone. Um, especially with like the, the train tunnel sounds and stuff like that. I was really kind of surprised at how good those were. What do you mean? I thought they were off. Adam, what about you? The best part is Andrea Fontenot. She, I, I made her give me All some right. extra lines. Shut up, for. And she gives me the ending of this episode. And I didn't ask for it. <laughs> she gave it to me. Well, thank you, Andrea. It was a great way to end it, and I didn't write it. I, I wanted to end this because uh, I'm because especially how we end we're not there yet I know that and there's still a death scene to go which I think I creepified a little bit more than I should have. It's squishy. It was very squishy. I will admit when I listen to this, 
the you know to do the commentary. The squishy was the squishy was gross. I, I was bothered by the squishy. And that's what I was going for, honestly. What I was going for was I want people very creeped out by the scene. Because you have to realize that what they find afterwards isn't a whole lot. And it's... Right. I, I mean, I, when I kill someone, I like to make sure they're dead. You know, we, we don't bring people back much on this show. <laughs> Except riders. We don't kill the riders anymore. Well, you know, when I originally wrote this, I had Hank get hit by a train. Oh, God. <laughs> that would have been really hard. I mean, I could have done it, but that would have been really awkward because he would have ended like midline, you know, like those really crappy movies that are our final destination and stuff. It gets really squishy and then really quiet. And the scraping sound. I'm just like, you know, I, I went for the horror angle of that a little bit more. I don't I think I went a little bit too far, but we'll see. My partner and a double homicide suspect are in the So what'd you think of her ringtone? You don't shut the trains down. I loved it. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you. Because I know he was very yeah. concerned. Should we tell the ringtone story? Hey, you should tell the ringtone story, yes. You can hear me in there. We're yeah. Okay, the so it started okay. out that um I wrote a piece of copyrighted music. Hank? In that's her ringtone and God, Chris Hank. told me I couldn't do it. Where are so you? So I changed the kingery thing and then you smacked that idea down. No. I mean, terribly, no. horribly. And, um, sure so I just said, okay, do whatever you want, and I liked it. But my job is to smack things oh. down terribly and horribly, but that's mostly because we, we don't take the themes from shows and use them in other shows. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a consistency thing. A little over three years. And just oh in case... Everybody's <laughs> wondering... Bagpipes is authentic for any police officer in just about any major city. Yeah, I, I never really worked out what city they're in. I mean, the city with the subway system. That's all and, need to know. and that gives me a short list of cities, but all of them would still be of Scottish origin for the most part. Right. <clears throat> And and I had originally I'd originally gotten this piece for another show, which will remain nameless, um, and used it there. I don't think that episode ever aired, but um, so I got to use it anyway, and I like that. It's hard to get bagpipes doing uh, Amazing Grace. No, Murray. I don't want to kill her. She's and then here's where we enough. go to some of these weird crossfades you gave me. Um, yeah, I do that a lot with you. Where I do like this muffling of the same speech over again. It was hard to time everything, too. Because in some cases, you have him saying a little bit more than she's saying. So it's like I'm scrunching stuff. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's good. I mean, because it teaches me... How to how to pull off new things and trick people's ears. I, I really like you can just make out what she, what what she's saying, what what Kate's saying. Right. So you know where you are in the speech as he's talking. You know this is going on at the same time. And the uh, the inspiration for this scene was um, 
Dark Knight where they're doing the commissioner's funeral. And they've got, uh, what's his name? The guy from Lost. I don't know. And uh, the Joker tries to kill him, and he doesn't do it. Right. And that's kind of what happens here. The hard part's finding a glass break that sounds big enough that it may have come from the roof of a church. And a body fall. That sounds like it fell a little bit farther. So I had to trick a lot of this, but... The, this whole this whole episode was creepy. I mean, this whole script when I was reading, it, I was like going through trying to figure out how I was going to do any of this because it was it was a it was a a challenge on a on a on a, on a sound effect level. Right. There's my boom, huh? And I take her out of the echo because that's more. I think we're much closer to her at that point. Yeah. And I and I hate I hate when people like carry echo too long. <laughs> what can I get you? There's Michael King, resident bartender, which is awesome. Got, <laughs> yeah, Michael King is the seminar bartender. If you write bartending in your script, odds are Michael King's gonna be the bartender. I need to write a bartender script that's just about the bartender. You know, I, I was writing one, but I decided to stop. Uh, uh, uh. And there is the creepy ending to Rockabye Part 2. That humming. <clears throat> uh, Andrea originally gave me um, her singing, and then she said, well, I'm going to hum it. And she gave me this humming and I said, I'm keeping this, because this is the ultimate ender. Because, you know, cause, and this, at this point, I would known that we had a part three coming up. So I know there's another part in the winds. Um, and so I wanted to leave it with something hanging on the end of it like that. Even though at the time I wrote the script, I had no idea there was a part three. Which is why the instructor says what he says at the end of it. But I guess we will find out. So, until <laughs> well, no, actually, what he what he says kind of works with what's going on in part three, so it's good. Oh, okay. Well, that works out. Well, look at that. I, I knew that. Syllabus and course schedule. So we're going to wrap up this episode, and I'm going to let um, the award-winning Marley Norton ended for us tonight. Marley, you get to say goodnight to everybody. In moment, Richard Castro as the Written by Marley Norton. In Rockabye, Part 2, Christopher Stoddard as Joey, Andrea Fontenot as Marie, Deborah Adams as Kate, Jared Griego as Hank, Jack Kalk as the officer, Colin Snow as Person 1, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Person 2, Tip Collier as Person 3, and Michael King as the bartender. Written by Jack Kalk. Seminar, written and directed by Marcus Beatty. Edited by Chris Britton. Seminar theme by David Alexander McDonald. Produced by Pendant Productions. Seminar co-created by Catherine Pride and Jeffrey Bridges. Copyright 2010. Pendant Productions.